Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargo, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. we got a big game tomorrow afternoon for the University of Wisconsin football team, now number 10 in the country. Badgers heading to Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois, to take on number 19 Northwestern in the first top 20 matchup between these two schools since 1962. We'll dive into that a little bit. We finally have a men's basketball schedule. It's technically game week. Wisconsin plays next Wednesday in their season opener. We'll talk a little bit about the schedule and about some accolades that have come Wisconsin's way and some predictions for Wisconsin basketball. And we'll hear from Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Kravinoff in his meeting with the media. We'll also hear from Wisconsin left tackle Cole Van Lannen, who met with the media earlier this week to preview Northwestern and to review the big win over Michigan on Saturday night in Ann Arbor. And that's where we're going to start. Wisconsin football was dominant in their first game back in three weeks, 49-11 to 11 over the Wolverines. It was just awful. I mean, I thought Michigan was bad. I didn't know they were this bad. And Wisconsin made them look even worse than I could possibly imagine. It's the biggest victory uh, margin of victory in the history of the series for Wisconsin, 38 points. It's the most points Wisconsin's ever scored against Michigan, and they did early and often. Wisconsin led 28-0 at halftime. That's the biggest halftime deficit Michigan has ever faced in the history of Michigan State, which dates back to, I think, 1927. Wisconsin, 468 total yards, 341 through the ground. Wisconsin's ground game was prevalent early and often not just between the tackles with guys like Jalen Berger and Nakia Watson and Mason Stocky and John Chanel up the middle, but the wide receiver jet sweep was prevalent with uh, Chimery DK, a 30-yard wide receiver reverse that set up a touchdown for Wisconsin early on. Kendrick Pryor ran it once for seven yards. Danny Davis ran seven times for 65 yards and that touchdown, five rushing touchdowns. For Wisconsin, Berger, two from Nakia Watson, Danny Davis, Mason Stocky had one rushing and receiving for the Badgers, as well as Jake Ferguson with a receiving touchdown. Uh, it was a party all around for Wisconsin. Graham Burtz wasn't as sharp as he was in the opener, but still 12 of 22 for 127 and two touchdowns. No picks, no fumbles, not too bad for a, a guy that barely practiced leading into the game. Because of COVID, Wisconsin was missing a bunch of starters in this game. Josh Seltzner on the offensive line didn't play. Uh, Garrett Ram did not play. Garrett Groshek did not play. Richard Wild Goose did not play. Uh, people were banged up throughout the game, too. Eric Burrell left uh, in the second half, third quarter. Uh, Mike Maskalunas left in the first half. Uh, uh, James Thompson, defensive end, got banged up. Uh, but we are told nothing serious, so Wisconsin gets out relatively clean. And so there's so many good things to point to to this game. And you have to look at average yards per play, 6.4 for Wisconsin. And defensively, this group, 219 total yards allowed by Michigan. Neither of Michigan's two quarterbacks. Joe Milton was terrible, uh, 9 of 19 for 98 yards, two picks. Uh, his first two passes were intercepted, one on a very athletic play by Scott Nelson off a tip. Uh, and then he threw, Joe Milton did a, a interception right to Leo Chanel that was just bad. I mean, Joe Milton never saw Chanel. Chanel had a huge return. Both those interceptions gave Wisconsin the ball on the 33-yard line, and Wisconsin cashed both in. Michigan, after rushing for just uh, 16 yards, I believe it was, the week before against Indiana, they rushed for just 47 against Wisconsin. Uh, the 
Badgers only allowed four passing plays over 20 yards, only one over 30. Uh, they had a great goal line stand in the second quarter that uh, that prevented Joe Milton from scoring from, from one yard out. There's just so many good things to look at from this game. 40 minutes and 15 seconds time of possession for Wisconsin. That leaves 1945 for Michigan. Another clean game for Wisconsin in terms of penalties. Just one penalty for five yards that came early. Gave up just one sack. No turnovers. Six for six in the red zone. So many good things to look at. And I think it was a big game for Scott Nelson. Uh, Nelson, who is returning to the state of Michigan to play, has gone through such a long road over the course of the last year with uh, his ACL injury, some off-the-field stuff as well. Him and Nick Herbig tied for the team lead in tackles with five. Uh, Nelson with the interception also had a tackle for loss early in the game. I should say to Nick Herbig after kind of an up-and-down start uh, in the season opener, five tackles, all solo tackles, three tackles for loss. He was exceptionally good, but... Scott Nelson, really probably the the player of the game just with that early pick to kind of get things going for Wisconsin. Back-to-back games, Wisconsin's forced a turnover on the opening possession, and that led Wisconsin into what was a big win. And he talked about just his long road back and talked about the game with the media afterwards, starting with that question about the the opportunity to play and, and play in the big house so close to home. Yeah, it was huge. Um, be able to go out there and just help, help my team in any way I can. Um, it was it was anything I could dream of. So um, it was great to kind of get back into the swing of things, be able to make a couple plays, and just kind of get back out there with the guys. It was it was a long time coming. So um, I'm very grateful for just being out there, having the opportunity to be out there. Yeah, Scott, can you just walk us past that interception you had? It looked like Eric got his hand in there on the throw, and, and describe what happened to us, and also the importance of that setting your offense up early, right out of the gate. Yeah, um, kind of like you said, it was a rollout. Um, I had kind of the tight end to my side, and I think it was a – I don't know if it was a wide receiver or a tight end that he was covering, but he made a really nice play. He got his hand in there, and it kind of just popped out, and um, good things happen when you're on the ball. So I was I was in a good position where I could make a play, and it was just – had to make it, had to help the team out. Like you said, his first play on defense, and then Leo gets one the next drive. It was <clears> – <throat> Coach Leonard was just kind of preaching on it throughout, just play big early, big plays early, set the tone, and just kind of keep it rolling from there. Scott, you look at the last two weeks, you guys have played phenomenally well. What what about this team defensively is really growing here over these two games that we've seen you guys play? Uh, yeah, I think uh, personally, I think we're finding our identity. Um, a lot of stuff carries over from last year. Um, I mean, I give a lot of credit to Chris Orr. I think him and Zach set the tone a lot. Uh, and that kind of mindset carries over. So I think we're still trying to fit in, find out what kind of uh, positions each player is going to be in, like kind of build that chemistry that we have. But I think Coach Leonard's scheme and, and the rest of the defensive staff are doing a great job with all the guys and just working together, being in unison, and, and just making plays I think is the biggest thing. They put us in position. We just got to make it. Scott, you guys were down several players in the two deep on offense and defense, including Rashad on the back end. Can you just explain uh, what was the biggest challenge in trying to get ready for this game with so many guys out and how you were able to overcome that? Yeah, I think we just have a next guy, next guy up mentality. Um, we miss those guys tremendously. Um, just the energy that they bring and just being around them, you just miss having them there. Um, so it'll be great to get everybody back whenever it is, but just get everybody back. 
But like I said, next man up mentality, whoever we go out there, you have to have confidence in yourself and, and everybody else will have confidence in you that we can trust you and you can make plays and you can you can step up when your name's called upon. Then again, safety Scott Nelson. And this podcast this week, I should say, is brought to you by my bookie. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests they offer each week for the NFL, especially with Turkey Day next week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. There's also a fully-fledged casino platform on MyBookie that gives you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local hotspot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. Put in 200 they'll match you up with another 100 in your account. It's a winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and cash in while you can. Wisconsin, a favorite this weekend going to Northwestern. Uh, Badgers haven't had a lot of success in Evanston. Badgers, uh, you remember some games where have been 31-17 their last trip down there in 2018, but there's been games like there's been 16-7. There's been 51-48. Wisconsin's won there just once since 1999. That game was in 2016 when the eighth-ranked Badgers won a sloppy 21-7 game. If you remember, that's when like, Jazz Peavy had a big run uh to, to get Wisconsin field position right before the half. And you know, Wisconsin's had some success here. They've won three of the last four against the Wildcats, but this Northwestern team is very good. Uh, they just held Purdue last week into two rushing yards. They're holding teams to about 3.6 yards per rush. And you look at the total offense, just 4.3 yards per per play they've allowed this year. They're 4-0. Certainly not happened that often in Evanston with the 4-0 start, but they've beaten Maryland, they've beaten Purdue, they've beaten uh, Nebraska, and they've beaten Iowa. Came back and went 21-20 against Iowa in Week 2. That's their first 4-0 start since 2015, their first 4-0 start in Big Ten play since 1996. That's when Pat Fitzgerald was a senior linebacker on their team. They have a new quarterback in Peyton Ramsey, former Indiana transfer. He's played very well. They have a new offensive coordinator this year that's allowed them to average 20 points per game for the first time since like 1995. Uh, all impressive. 2012, sorry. First time since 2012 they've averaged 20 points in their first four conference games. You look at where they were last year. They were dead last in the league in passing. Northwestern was 122.6 yards per game. Their total yards was under 285. Their points were under 16. Uh, They were pretty much dead last or second to last with Rutgers in virtually every offensive category. And now they're they're thriving. Uh, Nine different players have scored touchdowns this year for the Wildcats on offense. Um, You look at where they where their strength is. It's probably the defensive side of the ball, not just the allowing rushing yards that's among the fewest in the Big Ten, 91.8. That's second in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin, although Northwestern's played two more games. But their defense has been able to clog up the run. They've been able to get out on the edges. They have a very good defensive line. Both their defensive ends have two and a half tackles for loss. Their two uh, defensive tackles are over 300 pounds. Their linebackers are experienced. Their safeties like to crash down on the box to to kind of muck things up inside. But their secondary has eight 
interceptions, seven coming off first-year quarterbacks. They like to go up and play man-on-man coverage and be aggressors to the ball. They like to tip passes to get interceptions with that big defensive line. They forced two fumbles this year, so 10 turnovers forced. Um, it's it's a good team. It's going to be Wisconsin's toughest task to this point and uh, in a place that Wisconsin has had a lot of su- success down in Ryan Field. Uh, we talked to Cole Van Land earlier this week. Van Land has been a part of a couple of pretty good units here at Wisconsin. He's having another good start to his season. Badgers had an entirely different offensive line last week with Josh Seltzner out because of COVID. Wisconsin moved John Dietzen from right guard to left guard. They moved Logan Bruss from right tackle inside to right guard where he played last year. He started against Illinois and Tyler Beach at right tackle. And that unit ran, helped Wisconsin run for 340 plus yards against Michigan. Wisconsin is going to get Garrett Rand back, we believe. Garrett Groshek back, we believe. Richard Wildgoose tweeted earlier this week that he's going to play. Eric Burrell, who got banged up, said he will play. Wisconsin getting closer to full strength in this game, which is going to be critical against such a talented Northwestern team. Here is Cole Van Land talking with us in the media on Monday, starting with the performance against Michigan. Um, I thought we were just executing really well. All of us on that side knew where we had to go, um, and we kind of perfected it, and we did it all week. Um, you know, there were some things that we weren't expecting, but we just took advantage of what they were giving us, and I thought just all of us hustling, giving everything we have on those plays, and make them go, and I mean, it was really effective, and it's always fun when you get to be out there on an island blocking linebackers and safeties, so it's a fun play for us, too. So. Cole Northwestern has been pretty sound defensively so far this season. Uh, don't know how much you've had a chance to watch them yet, but what do they do well up front, and what do you think the challenges are that you guys have a lot as a line need to figure out? Yeah, I mean, every year Northwestern has an excellent defense. Um, they're big, stout guys up front. Um, they bring a lot of internal pressures, um, especially with their safeties. Their safeties play pretty low. Um, but I think it just comes down to, I mean, we, we have a great defense too. Um, and we have big guys up front. I think going against them all week really will benefit us going into the game. Um, and they're a different D-line than you're used to. Um, like Michigan's guys were very um, big and stout. Well, these are the complete opposite, and these are bigger guys now. Um, different ways to block these guys, different type of pass sets. Um, but like I said, going against our defense is very similar, um, and I think that'll benefit us for this Saturday. Um, yeah, there's a lot more film I gotta go over yet, but um, it's kind of what it's been like year after year since I've been here. So, with the two games that y'all had canceled, you really don't have any margin for error in terms of competing for a Big Ten title. Not only for not only for yourselves, but if one of your future opponents even has kind of an outbreak or something, how difficult is that to kind of keep that out of your mind or in the back of your mind while you're getting ready, kind of getting ready for business every week and play? I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. You just got to kind of block that out and don't worry about it. You only can control what you can control. Um, we're just focusing on winning football games and um, executing everything we're trying to do every week. I mean, we can't control if um, we can control what we can control here and make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, we can't control if another team um, has um, the same thing we had. I mean, it's 2020. It's unpredictable, and it is what it is, but... Um, we're just focused on winning football games right now, and that's what we're going to continue on doing. 
Cool. With the D with Northwestern's D line, kind of from a technical standpoint, what do those guys really do that's different than some other teams? Like looking back on some of the past years' films, it looks like they kind of hold you guys maybe a little bit better than some teams and try and hold you up from getting the linebackers. Is that something you've experienced? What do you think they sort of do well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's similar to our defense. Their D line, I mean, they're they're gap fillers. Like they really like to hold their gaps. Um, something Michigan didn't do. Something Illinois doesn't do. Um, they're very stout in the interior, and they like to hold their gaps, and I think that makes it tough for our double teams um, and running in between the tackles. That's something that we're going to have to uh, play strong, physical, get those guys out of there to make things go. And Like I said, that's how it's been every year, and we're excited for the challenge this week. The announcers who cover the game talked about how they were surprised that with the long layoff, you know, three weeks no game, only one week of practice that you guys played such a clean game, you know, one penalty, no turnovers. I'm just curious how you felt the execution was, at least for the offense, from start to finish in that game. I thought it was good. I thought a lot of guys were uh, playing really physical, playing confident, um, something you want to see. Um, I thought there was a good amount of mental errors I need to get cleaned up. That stuff can't happen. Um, tight ball games, that's why you lose ball games, but um, overall, I thought we played clean, good football, and um, we got to continue doing that going forward because if we want to do what we want to do, that's the way we got to play. Just in that regard, how were you able to play as effectively as y'all did after such a long layoff and not show any signs of rust? How were you kind of able to kind of maintain that? Um, I think, it, I mean, it's the same mindset we had when the season got canceled, when we got laid off. Uh, way back when and we all were at home working all. I mean, that's kind of what we had to do again for two weeks. Um, but we still have that angle in mind. We still know what we want to do here. Um, yeah, we can't be around each other and stuff, but we still have that mindset to do everything we can every day to make us better, even though we're not here at the facilities. I think that helped us. Obviously, we got a little probably farther ahead jump on Michigan because, I mean, once we knew that um, what was that Purdue was canceled? We knew that. I mean, admissions next. I mean, that's what we did when the first game got canceled. So, got a little head start on that, and started my matchups more than ever before. And it just uh, that's just how it was. All of us did that, and I think we just played together. We were right on page where we came back day one. You clean those stuff, this stuff up that you want to clean up right away, and we were ready to roll on Saturday. Seems like every time you guys play Northwestern, it's kind of a grinder, uh, smash mouth football. Why do you think that is? And as an old lineman, is that these kind of the games that you, you relish in playing in? Yeah, I love it. I love gritty football. I love it when it's battle and makes it fun the entire game. And um, I think it's our offenses are pretty close to the same. Our defenses are pretty close to the same. And we just clash on the field. And I think it's just the more gritty, the more dominant football team wins the game. And it's been like that every year. Um, I think it's been close, I don't know, the past four years or whatever it's been. And um, I think that's just what it comes down to is, I mean, I'm going to line up in front of you and you're going to line up in front of me and we're going to play football. And it's always a fun game when it's like that. That again, Wisconsin senior left tackle Cole Van Lannan. I posted this week my five burning questions. A lot of good content on BadgerBlitz.com over the course of the week to get you prepared for Wisconsin football. And my five uh, burning questions were simple. Can Wisconsin handle Northwestern's defensive front? Can they be able to attack them up the middle? Can they figure out their scheme? Because as Joe Rudolph says, that Northwestern understands their scheme so well that by understanding their scheme well, quote, they do a good job of making adjustments throughout the game. They do a tremendous job of stopping the run. It starts with the guys up front. 
they do a good job of eating up the offensive linemen and freeing up the linebackers. And I think the combination of all that makes them really good against the run. You look at uh, the turnover streak that Northwestern's on. Can Graham Mertz break that? Like I said, Northwestern's faced a first-year starter in all four games this season and generated seven interceptions off those players. They've held two of those players under 100 passing yards. Ken Mertz, who really hasn't put a ball in a bad spot through two games this season, knocking on my computer laptop, can that continue? Only 11 incompletions through two games for Graham Mertz. How can Wisconsin get after Peyton Ramsey, who threw three uh, touchdown passes against Purdue last weekend and is the Wildcats' fourth highest-graded player? Can Wisconsin win the turnover battle? Wisconsin, each of the first two games, big turnovers early and i misspoke earlier i said both of wisconsin's uh, interceptions put them on the 33 yard line the first turnover in each of the first two games put them on the 33 yard line leo chanel had a much better return uh, against michigan in week two my apologies for that earlier on badgers tied for seventh nationally in turnover margin plus 1.5 they haven't generated a lot of them but what they have generated they've been able to turn to points rather quickly especially early in the game and lastly, can the Badgers attack the edge? Can Wisconsin get out on the edges and run? Probably be a little bit harder because Northwestern's defensive ends are experienced. Well, Wisconsin played against Michigan's number two defensive ends last week. Will the Jets sweep help Wisconsin this week? Will that be a huge part of their offense like it was a week ago? It wasn't so much two weeks ago or in the first game against Illinois. If Wisconsin get out on the edges a little bit, at least show that. Try to prevent Northwestern from clogging the middle of the defense. So... Uh, a lot of important things to look at this game and a very critical game for Wisconsin. There's only four weeks left of the regular season and Wisconsin sits really a full game behind Northwestern because the Badgers had to miss two games, two Big Ten West Division games because of COVID. Northwestern's 4-0. Wisconsin is 2-0. Then every other team in the Big Ten has one loss. Purdue's 2-1, lost to Northwestern. Iowa's 2-2, Nebraska's 1-2. Illinois is 1-3, and Minnesota is 1-3. Wisconsin has Minnesota next weekend at Camp Randall. And on the other side of the division, Indiana 4-0, Ohio State 3-0, Maryland 2-1, but Maryland's going through a a COVID outbreak. They're going to miss their second straight game this weekend. Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers are 1-3. Penn State 0-4 in Big Ten play. That's been a long time since that's happened, too. So uh, some, some big games coming up for Wisconsin. This one first at uh, against Minnesota next weekend. Indiana comes to Camp Randall beginning of December. That's going to be a very interesting game. That could pretty much be Wisconsin's toughest game on their schedule. Who would have thought that at the start of the season? Indiana has Ohio State this weekend in Columbus. And then Wisconsin wraps up at Iowa City on December 12th. And then we go into uh, the playoff weekend for the, for the Big Ten. Wisconsin's going to face somebody somewhere. And they're going to face a, probably a pretty good team. So it'll be interesting to see where that winds up too. So full coverage from Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. kickoff in ABC. I will be at the game. And then uh, Jake Korowski will also be helping out with coverage. And all that will be at BadgerBlitz.com. You are listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Finishing up here with a little Wisconsin basketball. Wisconsin basketball is going to start on Wednesday, believe it or not. Badgers finally are going to have a schedule. They're going to play a game. They're going to play Eastern Illinois, 9 p.m. start, late night at the Kohl Center. Then Thanksgiving, then they're going to play Arkansas Pine Bluff on the 27th at 8 p.m. Then they're going to play Green Bay on December 1st at Marquette, December 4th. Louisville in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on December 9th. And then Northern Iowa on December 16th. And then... It's conference play. Now, the Big Ten has 
uh, I should say this too, the Big Ten, excuse me, Wisconsin is going to try to add another game in the mix somewhere. They don't quite know where, but they have been kicking around uh, in the month of December uh, to add additional game. They're still working on it. Uh, Guard in a statement said, with our non-conference schedule, we try to create the safest environment possible and having so many games at home allows us to have a little more control over some of the variables. As we all know, even this schedule could be fluid given the times we're in, but today is confirmation that opening day is just a week away, and I know our players will be excited to get on the floor and start playing games. That's, that was the entire non-conference schedule. Usually Wisconsin plays two non-conference road games. At Thanksgiving tournament, Wisconsin was going to play in Fort Myers this year, but because of COVID, Wisconsin pulled out of that uh, quite a bit ago, but you know, Wisconsin's going to try to figure this out the best they can. They're going to try to keep, like Greg Gard said, them close to home and try to add that seventh game. Be interested to see if, if Wisconsin can get Milwaukee on their schedule because since there's going to be Green Bay with Will Ryan. Will Ryan, uh, first-year head coach, Bo's son, is taking over that program up in Green Bay. He's done a pretty good recruiting job being thrown into the mix so late. Big Ten season starts on December 21st. Wisconsin's going to play Nebraska. A couple interesting games here. Wisconsin's playing on Christmas Day at Michigan State. They also play Valentine's Day at home uh, against Michigan. No fans in the stands. So after your romantic dinner, call up on the couch and watch the Badgers beat the Wolverines. You look at this Big Ten schedule, Wisconsin plays only at Michigan State, only at Rutgers, and only at Purdue. A couple tough road games in there. Wisconsin has it won at the Breslin Center in eons. Mackey Arena has been historically tough for them, and Wisconsin has never beaten Rutgers in Piscataway since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. Kind of an odd uh, factoid there for the Badgers. Wisconsin only plays Mich- uh, Minnesota, Indiana, and Ohio State at home. Everyone else, Wisconsin plays home and away. Badgers rank seventh in the AP poll. Not really a big surprise as to why. Uh, it's the second highest preseason ranking in program history and the fifth time that the Badgers begin the season ranked in the top 10 AP poll. One of seven Big Ten teams currently ranked. Big Ten's going to be good this year from top to bottom, and Wisconsin will be in the mix. They return at least 70% of their scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, blocks, and minutes from last year, including you know 78.7% of their scoring and 83.8% of their rebounds and 86.1% of their steals. Um, already Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, and Demetri Trice have been on preseason lists for national preseason awards. And while the Big Ten doesn't do a media poll, Wisconsin has picked to finish third in the Big Ten. Uh, six first-place votes tied with Iowa in first-place votes. Illinois is projected to win the league. 16 first-place votes. Illinois, 376, 376 points. Iowa, 350. Wisconsin, 347. The rest of the Big Ten... Uh, in order, Michigan State, Rutgers, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, Purdue, Maryland, Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Iowa's Luke Garza got 24 of the 28 votes for Player of the Year. Ayo Sumu of Illinois got the other four. Freshman of the Year, Adam Miller of Illinois is was the pick. Uh, Christian Lander of Indiana, Hunter Dixon, Dickinson of Michigan, Zeb Jackson of Michigan, and Ethan Morton of Purdue also got votes. All Big Ten first team, Luke Garza and Ayo Desumu, were unanimous selections. Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, Kofi Cockburn of Illinois, Nate Reavers, and Frank and Franz Wagner of Michigan round out that group too. Others receiving votes, Marcus Carr, Aaron Henry, Geo Baker, Joey Hauser, Joshua Langford, Micah Potter, Demetri Trice, 
Rocket Watts, and Joey Weisskamp. Um, it'll be a good league this year. It's going to be a talented league, and Wisconsin's certainly going to be in the mix. Uh, three of the last four for Wisconsin are going to be on the road, including in Iowa is going to be thrown in there too. So that could be for all the Marvers in the Big Ten. You just never know. Joe Krabinoff talked to the media uh, earlier this month, kind of before the schedule was released, kind of previewing this team uh, to give you a little sense of what Wisconsin basketball is going to be this year. Let's hear from Joe Krabinoff in his meeting with the media earlier this month. Can you give us a rundown on how the young bigs look, the first-year players? And The only reason I ask is, I know you have a lot of guys back, but Greg was talking about the fact that with nobody losing eligibility this year, you never know when you might need to grab someone just to help out at some point in the season. Yeah, I mean, all of them have been great, the, the, all the freshmen up and down, but specifically with a couple of those bigger guys, Steven and Ben, is I'm sure who you're referring to, um, have been fantastic. They're very high expectations of them coming in, and I think they've all they've reached those and probably exceeded in, in most areas, uh, starting with just their overall maturity, ability to handle life <laughs> as a freshman in this uh, situation, in this current climate. They're doing a tremendous job. They're very mature um, in the weight room with their diet, showing up on time, all the little things. And then that allows you to, to play with a, a, a free mind on the court and you know, able to learn faster and do things. And uh, Both those guys um, have a very high IQ for big guys. We label them as big guys. I think both of them probably won't hold that label forever because they're just very versatile and they see and think the game in, a, in probably more of a, a guard's mindset, which is fun to coach because they, they, they know how to play offense. They know how to, you know, pick up terminology and things defensively very quick for big guys. Um, so it's, it's, they're fun to coach. And one, one important thing I think, and we've hit this a ton, but it, it just needs to continue to be said that uh, both those guys have incredible teachers and coaches, and that's not me or Coach Card. That's uh, Micah and Nate, two guys who have done a tremendous job. Every drill we're in, every time there's a question, sometimes they jump to it before you know one of us coaches even gets to it. And my, I think Mike and Nate have been tremendous leaders for those guys specifically. You mentioned kind of the progress of Steven and Ben. Do you think that Johnny Davis could kind of help make up for some of the lost minutes that you had with Brevin? Yeah, putting minutes on guys right now is, is probably not uh, fair. I mean, we don't even know uh, as coaches. They certainly don't as players. Uh, we're not at that point yet. But uh, Johnny's done done some things early in practice um, that we're excited about. You know, I think he's got a very bright future here. Uh, he can do a lot of things on both ends of the floor. But uh, uh, a lot will be talked about. You know, he's, he's got the ability to, to make some wild plays. But I think the thing I've been impressed with him is just his ability to, to um, soak in information from the coaching staff, from his teammates. And really, he's a guy, and we've liked him here for a long time, guys like uh, that have a lot more questions than answers. And Johnny's definitely one of those guys, very coachable. Uh, he's just a, a treat to coach, and I think the guys really enjoy playing with him. He can, he can get to a loose ball about as quick as anybody I've seen. Hey, Joe, good seeing you again. Uh, when it comes to, I mean, talk about some of the older players, Micah and uh, Nate and just you know what have you seen from their games stepping up from I know we've had the you know being gone for the from the campus and whatnot but what have you seen from them returning and how they progressed you know through you know, the early part of practices that's a long list to go through returners who progressed we got a lot of them I mean where do I start I think uh, they've all done a good job I think that was uh, we were in a fortunate position as a coaching staff in a program when we hit this um, 
COVID pandemic and, and that we trusted our guys would do the right things when they were at home training. We weren't um, worried about them lifting weights, getting in the gym, all those things. Obviously, you want to do a health you know, and safety first, but uh, they did a great job of coming back better than they were when they left and that's because they're they're older and they're mature and they knew they knew what it takes to to be ready for a big 10 season so specifically i think both nate and micah have continued to add to their game their bodies have taken another jump i think our strength strength staff has done a tremendous job with them in the time we've had here um, but they've taken a lot of that on themselves um, their games um, i both expect both of them to continue to, to put the big numbers for us and then in the backcourt dimitri Demetric Trice obviously took a big jump towards the end of the year there and seen nothing but nothing even close to a drop off. He's he's very much a vocal leader now and very comfortable in his role. Brad going to be Brad, you know, obviously continuing to work on all his game. Who else do we got? <laughs> Aleem, Aleem Ford. Um, again, I, I, just very proud of how he's handled uh, things and his body and uh, just his determination to, to be a really, really good player put a stamp on his career here um and trevor i think a lot trevor's done a great job you know he sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle when we talk about returners but he he may be more comfortable than ever with that knee finally and uh you know i would expect him to have a little more pop in this game this year yeah joe you mentioned um nate and micah helping out specifically with nate and tyler wall nate had to um improve his strength after his first go from his first to second year Tyler has to do that as well what can Nate share with him while making that transition from year one to year two in that area I think he's shared with Tyler a few places on campus where to get a great steak and some mashed potatoes and how to put on a little bit of weight um, in the right way hopefully so but uh, I think that that's been a big thing for Tyler is, is that he he knew he learned and sometimes it was learning the hard way uh, what it takes physically to to hold your own and eventually be the guy pushing and shoving and winning those battles in the Big Ten. And I think he, he took those lessons that he learned on the court home with him, but he's had great mentors and leaders in front of him that had been through it. And I know they've shared tips and stories on things, probably from being pushed around by an assistant coach in practice a few times too. Um, they, they, they don't like that very much. So sometimes that's incentive enough. They don't want to be pushed around. But, uh, no, I've, I, it's been fun to watch all of these guys kind of take that upon themselves. And that's that's what's fun about coaching here is when you get a group of guys that really enjoys helping pass along those those you know advice and those things they learned over the years. And it makes our job a lot easier. But uh, there's a reason why we recruit guys like that. So you guys talked a lot last year about just the versatility within the lineup. You could go big, you could go small. And I know Brevin, Brevin was a big reason for that. He could kind of move all over the place. But do you still feel the same way about this lineup, um, in part because of a guy like Tyler and Aleem, too, can play multiple positions? I mean, do you still think there's that same, um, a lot of options like, like last year? Oh, absolutely. I think I think we'll see a ton of different combinations. And the same can be said, obviously, Tyler and Aleem are, are both, the kind of the jack of all trade type of guys, just with their versatility and their, their height and you know length and things they have uh, physically, but also in our backcourt. I think at times getting Trevor and Meach and Brad out there at times was good. Having multiple really good ball handlers out there uh, can be can be a threat. And then we have the ability to go big. I think Tyler and Lean, like we said, 
both can guard probably three or four different positions, you know, so that's a lot of length on the floor when you start thinking about 6'7", 6'7", 6'11", 6'11", so um, certainly that that's still all a work in progress at this point. We're nowhere near <laughs> throwing out a lineup. Um, we're, we're just inching forward day by day. That is Joe Krabinoff wrapping up our show this week on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. For all the latest on Wisconsin football and basketball and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation. Follow our site at Badger underscore Blitz on Twitter. We'll have plenty, plenty of coverage leading into Thanksgiving. Wisconsin Northwestern tomorrow. Full coverage of Wisconsin, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Uh, Next week, Monday and Tuesday, Wisconsin basketball on Thursday and Friday. And again, the battle for Paul Bunyan-Zacks next Saturday at Camp Randall. Plenty of coverage before, during, and after Turkey Day to keep you stuffed. Sorry, couldn't help myself. From me to you, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have time to celebrate with your immediate family. If you go out, be safe, wear a mask. Let's beat this damn COVID thing so we can get back to enjoying sports the way it should be in a packed stadium full of screaming fans. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.